Blog Talk Radio. Chapman Show. I am Hollis. Thank you for joining us this wonderful Friday. Very excited. September is just flying along, isn't it? We have a wonderful guest here today. She just called in. We're very excited. You know, we all hate this. Sales. 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 You know, but I think sales, selling yourself to get that big contract or get the next contract or get the first contract is so important. Selling yourself. And it starts as soon as you walk out the door. Yeah, how you look, how you speak, what you drive. It's selling from a minute go. You know, our special guest, she's, been, she's, she's known as a first lady of sales. You know, I'm looking at her website now. You look at her wonderful photo. You can tell she sells. You know, she's up tall. She looks beautiful. She looks great. Sales. Because it can be a nonverbal thing, too. You know, and then it goes along with verbal, you know, language, how you speak, sell, from a minute go. Let's welcome to the show our special guest, Dr. Cindy McGovern. Having me, Hollis. Hello, man. Hey, Hollis. It's so great to be here today. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. You know, it's so important. You know, you know as well as I do. What you do is so important to all of us, you know, and I know you have some challenges. I think you have some challenges with some of the younger generation. And I mean, let me, let me just get it off my chest first. When it comes to the younger generation and these darn smartphones, you know, they don't understand that branding and being on these smartphones. Like I said, if you come to an interview with me and you're walking in with your smartphone in your hand, this or still on, it went from being a top interview to a bad interview, just like that. That's me. That's my opinion because it drives me crazy. But I know you see a lot of stuff. You see a lot of stuff in your time and your business and your career. But before we continue, before I keep on writing about that, tell us more about yourself and your new book, ma'am. Well, first of all, I, it's the book I wish somebody had given me in high school. So speaking of the younger generation, <laughs> I wish I had known some of these lessons, you know, many, many years ago. But um, I'm known as the first lady of sales now, but it's because I never wanted to be in sales, believe it or not. I thought it was icky, pushy, manipulative, and long story short, ended up in a sales role uh, about 20 years ago. And when I got into it, I thought, wait a minute, I know how to do this. This is just helping other people. I don't have to be that pushy, icky version. I can do this in a way that's authentic to me. And so 
I sat down and I thought, why wasn't I taught this? You know, sales is not just a business skill. It's a life skill. And I have a PhD in communication and didn't learn that. And so that's what brought me to write my first book, Every Job is a Sales Job, and then the latest book, Sell Yourself, because like you said, we are selling ourselves in everything we do, everything we don't do, nonverbal communication. It all matters now. It so does. You know, I, I, and again, just thank you for doing that. Thank you for, you know, pushing forward with that because, again, it's so important. And the young people, it, it's got to be part of their, just like having a smartphone. Your book should be in their hand as well. How do you sell yourself? How do you then go from one thing to another? You know, I'm constantly trying to help my son out. He's 25, so how do you sell yourself? How do you do things like that? You know, he doesn't look at me. But when we have dinner, you know, stuff like that, I, I got to tell a 25-year-old to turn your phone off. Son, you haven't seen me in two right. weeks. Knucklehead, <laughs> turn the phone off. Talk to dad. How you doing? What's going on? Yeah. You know? But it's like, he, he doesn't mean anything by it, but it's one where he understands, like, dude, that is so, it's just, you got to stop that. But, you know, hey, again, that's a whole other show. <laughs> We're talking about <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. Okay, so you, 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 you're doing your business. You know, Change Leaf Consulting is your business now. You're consulting, doing great things. What do you see the challenges are today when it comes to branding and selling yourself? So the first thing is that people have to realize they have a personal brand, whether they realize it or not. Like your son, great example. He doesn't know that he's selling you on the idea that he maybe doesn't care or doesn't see this as a priority. And I guarantee he doesn't mean to be giving off that vibe, but he is. So everybody is selling themselves. If you're sitting in a, a meeting room right now as you're listening to the show and you've got your arms crossed. Are you selling that you're cold or are you selling that you're disinterested? Just recognizing that you are constantly 24 seven truly giving out that sales message. And so that's the first thing. And then I think the other thing is for business owners, for individuals who want to get a promotion, recognizing that you have to sell and you need to recognize that every job really is a sales job. You are selling yourself to your colleagues, to your managers, to your customers. And if you're a business owner or manager, every single person in your organization is a walking commercial for you. Do they know that? (laughs) And if they don't, what training and development are you giving them to help them be the right walking commercial for your organization? You know, I'm looking at your, your bio, you know, your media sheet, and one of the things that's really I like is reengaging your workforce after the great resignation. Now, talk about that, kind of, kind of kickstart how we can start redoing this now because the pandemic, working from home, things are kind of mm-hmm. crazy. I mean, if you drive around and look around, there's still a lot of um, non-hiring signs out there, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Why aren't people getting back in the workforce and just it's just so many things going on right now. What's your thoughts about how things are now? So it's funny because that's actually why I wrote the second book was because of the whole pandemic. I saw us go through the great resignation, the great remorse, the great reset. I think we are currently in what I'm calling the great rebrand because yeah. there's a huge opportunity if you want if you want to go to work boy, the world is your oyster right now because so many organizations are hiring because it's hard to find really good work right now because people want to work from home or remote and and sort of reengaging your workforce and reinvigorating them. 
to recognize their personal brands and how they're selling and what they're selling. And so that's really what brought me to write Sell Yourself. But the other thing is, for any organization that's looking to sort of motivate their sales team, start with the individual. And I say sales team, meaning literally every employee. <laughs> I believe everybody is. And, and motivating every employee by recognizing what's in it for them. Because now is sort of that, the era of the individual, right? The pandemic did that. Everybody kind of went into their, their turtle shells and everybody kind of created their own life because we had to. Now we're coming out of that, people don't want to give up some of that freedom. People don't want to give up some of the um, latitude that they had. So how do you lean into that to honor that balance and life balance they had, but show them that there's opportunity here as well? And I think that, that I choose a word every year, Hollis, and this year my word was opportunity, because I think this is the chance to do that. In our lifetime, we're probably not going to see that again. And so take advantage of this moment right now to reinvigorate yourself, your team, and to get ahead. You know, again, the title of your book that we're talking about is every job is a sales job. You know, why Why do you think well, – well, I think I know why you – because people are afraid of the sales thing. People are afraid to be sold to, like on online, you know, we're taught mm-hmm. how to – without being sold too right away. Don't be the hard seller. Don't be the cold seller. But every job is a sales job. So how do we educate us as the employer, then the employer to potential customers that we're our sales, how do we just kind of soft it a little bit so you can see the whole presentation and we can go from there? How do you soften that pitch so it's a win-win for both parties? Well, you don't pitch. <laughs> so that's the first thing. I don't teach a pitch. You know, in, in my company, Orange Lake Consulting, we don't, we don't do that because pitching doesn't work because of exactly what you just said, Hollis. Nobody yeah. wants to be sold, but yeah. everybody likes to buy. So hmm. that's the biggest difference is you're inviting them to buy. A pitch means you've taken away my choice. You're hmm. telling me what I need versus soliciting information from me, asking me questions, and then seeing if what you have to offer me fits a need that I've got. That's actual true sales. Otherwise, it's really manipulation. And you said it. A 20-year-old Cindy would never would have picked up a book that said sales on the title for that very reason because I thought, ooh, I don't want to do that. That's terrible. But when I started realizing that sales is literally in everything, if you go for a job interview, that's a sales conversation. If you're asking for a day off from your boss, that's a sales conversation. If you're getting a colleague to cover for your shift, that's a sales conversation. Sales is literally in every interaction we have as human beings. You're selling an idea, selling who you are. You're selling what you want. You're getting buy-in. You know, managers say this, so I've got to get buy-in from my staff. Exactly. <laughs> you're selling them something. So if we know all of that goes into sales, it's a little bit easier to swallow the invitation to buy if we know that we don't ever have to pitch. And that's really what I'd encourage people to do. Get rid of the pitch. Ditch the pitch. Invite people. Beautiful. You know, I'm really particular when it comes to being on time. I've worked places where I've been there for a couple of years and never been, on, never been late. And that's proud to me. Uh, don't miss work. I mean, I miss work at certain places. Um, been there six, seven years, missed four days of work because I had a dental appointment. That's it. That's important to me. 
Um, but, you know, sometimes people take advantage of that. Employers take advantage of that. Don't recognize that. Don't even say thank you. Don't give you this and this. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, and you mentioned how people can get overlooked. Good employees get overlooked. Mm-hmm. How, how, you know, me as an employer to my, you know, I do certain, I hire certain people, stuff like that. How do I not overlook them and make sure I regard, you know, reward them for the great service and being loyal and being this? How does that work? employees because I definitely like to talk to people that I see about what they're doing to their employees because I think this just happened at my gym in my last two weeks I haven't seen the same faces I think they had a mass mm-hmm. exodus I think a lot of the people quit because they right. changed time. I think they changed the time, down the time and then I'm sitting there going okay I'm here every day the people I normally mm-hmm. see here every day aren't here this has been two weeks yeah. so not all of them went on breaks how do we correct that as an employer? So as an employer, part of it is just reengaging your staff to make sure you're clear on what their goals are. And I think that's something that as, a, as an executive coach, that's a bit of what I have to do with business owners and managers all day is recognize the world has shifted. It's sort of like if we go back to our generation, you know, we were, we were the ones that were causing disruption because we wanted more flex time or different leave policies and things like that. This newer generation, there is a flex opportunity with them, but some of them are going to, you know, go for their coffee run for two hours in the afternoon and recognizing <laughs> that that's part of it, you know, and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah. what I would say to managers and employers is hire based on the values, hire based on the fire in the belly, mm-hmm. and then teach them the skill set around it. And what I've seen, one of the biggest mistakes is, you're saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to hire from this gym over here because they did well. They were at that gym for 10 years, and you bring them over here. Your culture is completely different. It's a square mm-hmm. peg round hole a lot of times. So getting clear on what it is that you want them to be able to do and really that, that desire to serve. And I think that's what we're talking about with a lot of employees when we talk about sales is we want them to have a desire to make the customer experience amazing. We want them to have a desire to take care of their colleagues and cover for each other and work as a team. And when that's missing, that's a really hard thing to teach. Mm-hmm. It's easier to teach you how to wipe down the gym equipment and use the computer system. It's harder to teach the desire that you've got within you. And so I think that's something that managers can, can search for. And you've got to screen for that. You've got to ask the right questions. And what I've seen in a lot of organizations is we hire based on tenure of another place, or we hire based on the resume of the skills that they have versus the skills that are transferable. And that's really what I think we need to change, is looking at a transferable skill set, ask further back. I'll give you a really quick story. There was a, a sales manager that I was coaching, and he had a former host for a restaurant, very big restaurant chain, um, who also was a server, and didn't want to hire this person because they had no, quote, sales experience. And I said, what do you think a server is? <laughs> That's, they're selling all day. I said, when you interviewed her, did you ask the questions about how she upsold her tables, how she made sure that she got them to come back, how she made sure that they posted on a social media platform? And he goes, no, I didn't ask any of that because she didn't have any sales experience. And mm-hmm. I said, yes, she did. You just didn't call it sales. <laughs> so if he had tapped into that and tapped into her desire to want to help people and give them a great experience, he probably could have had a really good employee there, but we have to look at sort of the, the hidden crevices. You know, even to add to that, that's what you say to the people 
that you never stop learning. Even his position, if he mm-hmm. kept on learning, kept on listening, and he would have picked up on that. Like you said, yeah. you never stop learning. Even as even if you're at a place that I, I'm dealing with this right now, this person's been in this position for a lot of years, but he's not mm-hmm. creative. He's not innovative. He's not really doing anything. What's going on right now? Mm-hmm. So really, if you're not, if you don't stay in touch with what's going on now. You're kind of bringing the whole thing down. You're not really doing yeah. any justice if you're not learning yourself. You're not sitting there going, okay, yeah. let me improve. Let me sit there and learn how to teach or talk to these new people coming in because it's a different mm-hmm. ball game now. It really is. Okay, It is, and, and, and that generation is a little bit tough, too, because if they've reached a level of success, yeah. there's not a desire or need to shift. So that's when you have to tap into that real individual desire. What is it that they want? Is it they want to leave at 3 o'clock? Okay, great. So there's a negotiating tactic then. Get them to learn a little bit new of a skill set and then give them something on the outside so that they can actually feel like they won something in that negotiation too. That's wonderful. Very good. Hey, I'll special guest right now. It's first lady of sales, Dr. Cindy McGovern. Hey, Dr. Cindy, please tell us where do we go after this show to learn more about you and to get your wonderful book. DrCindy.com, D-R-C-I-N-D-Y.com is the easiest place to find me. That's where my blog is. That's where um, links to the books and all kinds of free stuff and a resource vault as well. How long did it take you to sit there and say, hey, let's use Dr. Cindy on all my advertising? I like it. It's catchy. Is that what you, that, was that what you're going for? Because I like Dr. Cindy. I'm, just, I'm sitting there all morning going, Dr. Cindy, Dr. Cindy, don't screw it up. Yeah. Dr. Cindy. Were you going for that when you put it out there? Because some people get shy about that, don't use a doctor, but you're out there. It's part of your brand, right? Yeah, it is part of my brand. And, and you know what's funny? It didn't even come from me. I, my clients started calling me Dr. Cindy. And I, I always introduce myself as Cindy McGovern. And what was funny is I had a client that started that and then it just kind of caught on like wildfire and people were like, Oh, well, Dr. Cindy, Dr. Cindy. And I was like, well, if that's what everybody's calling me anyhow, <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll keep the doctor part and drop the PhD at the end. <laughs> Sweet. That's wonderful. I love it. Cause I said, I'm sitting there talking with myself all the morning, Dr. Cindy, Dr. Cindy's coming on, Dr. Cindy. <laughs> so I love it. Very good. Okay. Can you share any inspiring stories of individuals who have applied your sales principles and experienced success? You know, I have used it there. If you think back and go, okay, I started with this client. They started out here and all of a sudden they called me back six months later. And it's like, oh, Dr. Sandy, things are going well. Have you have a story or two like that? I have lots of those. Um, one that comes to mind is actually one that I just found out about. It was a young man that had come to me very early in his career. His manager put him into coaching, and he went through my workshops and my sales process training. And because he had gone through that, he knew to watch his numbers, to watch his sales pipeline, if you will. And he, you know, some of those numbers weren't getting the results he wanted. So his manager called him back into coaching, and he called me and he said, hey, this person's close ratio, which is, you know, how many meetings he had to how many deals he got, had fallen. So I brought him back into coaching and had a conversation with him around what happened, started unpacking it. And what we realized is he started skipping steps of the sales process. The sales process is just a formula. It's like a recipe. And he got a little, as we say in the South, big for his britches and stopped doing Mm -hmm. some of the stuff he needed to do. Kind of like when we stop eating healthy and exercising and we wonder why our pants are tight, right? So he, (laughs) he quit doing that. And uh, he realized that that was a problem. So all we did was get him back on track. That was over 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is he just came back around 
And he is now a national manager and wants us to go in and train all of his team now because he's using those tactics. But it was teaching him not just the process, but how to correct the process. And I think that's the biggest difference of what we do is we want to get in there and teach you to do this without us. I mean, I don't, I don't hide anything in my books. I give it all away. I give the farm away because I want people to know how to do this, know how to course correct if there's an issue so you can reach your goals and you can grow your business and you can get that promotion. I want you to have all the tools. Dr. Sandy, I'm going to bring you back. I know uh, it's been a little bit since you started, but I know sales was your first thing, but I want you to talk to <laughs> us how they're listening and sit there. Cause it's, sometimes the first one's always the hardest one. I mean, I'm a sports guy. So mm-hmm. that first win is always the hardest one. And then you can go from there. Bring us back. Kind of close your eyes and think. Bring us back. What did it feel like when you get that first client and they sign the dotted line and you went home and go, yes. And you knew yeah. you were on something. How did that bring us back to that? Because a lot of us, we get that paralysis because we're scared about that first mm-hmm. one. We're scared of, of the no. We're scared of this and that. Bring us back and say, okay, this is what we got to do. Prepare. You're going to get that, Janet. You're going to get that client. How do you do it? So it, it, that's such a fun place to go to in my mind because it was a long time ago. But, yeah. but something that I learned in that space is, and this is something I learned over time and wish I had known at the very beginning of my career, sales is math. <laughs> and if you know the math, it's easier to prepare for the sale. And so prepare for the nose. Prepare for the objections you're going to get. Prepare for what's going to be your obstacle because then that win is so much sweeter. I mean, you know you have to have nine conversations to get one win. And I think back to one of the first big deals that I had sold, and um, I was terrified, truth be told. I was sitting at a counter, and, like, I remember literally shaking (laughs) underneath the table because I was like, they're going to say no, they're going to say no. And I had prepared, over-prepared, truthfully. I had come, you know, with all my notes and figured out what I wanted to do. I thought through all the objections and literally it ended up being one of the easiest sales. And I think it was because I was so prepared. It's the ones where we don't prepare well, that quite frankly, you're going to drop the ball. But man, when that, when they signed, I'll never forget it. The guy's name was Glenn. When he signed, I literally felt just all of the stress leave my body at once. And I went, oh, oh, wait, I can do this. Okay. Like, I'm not going to get fired. <laughs> it's the most amazing feeling. But it's the, it's the anxiety and anticipation that I think makes it successful. And that's something that I would encourage really anybody listening in terms of sales is you want that healthy dose of anxiety and anticipation because I think that forces you to be more on your game, to use a sports reference. If you're not nervous walking onto the field, something's wrong. So get those butterflies in your tummy kind of working for you so that when you go in there, you know you've got this, and then you can just taste victory. It's so amazing. Sweet. I mean, I say this to different guests because I do this all the time, but I'm preparing for this show two and a half hours before the show starts, um, the day of. And then I I prep and follow and and watch your stuff before um, this week and stuff like that. I send out the questions, stuff like that. So when the show starts, I can be ready to go, not as sweaty, Mm -hmm. not as nervous. But I am nervous, always nervous, because, again, I want to give you a good conversation. 
because if I'm not nervous, that means I didn't take it serious. And that's, that right. would drive me crazy. That would make me upset if I'm not nervous. Because I always say, oh, you nervous? Always. Always. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, Agreed. Excuse me. I think that's what makes you good, right? Yeah. <laughs> excuse me for one second. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. <coughs> well, hold on. Put you on hold. I had a big cough. I had a cough. I had a, I turned my mic off. Apologies for that. You okay? I'm okay. All right. So as a renowned sales expert, what do you see as the most common mistakes and misconceptions people have when it comes to sales? So the first mistake is thinking that others know what you want. And this goes for seasoned salespeople as well as people that wouldn't consider themselves in sales. You know, contrary to popular belief, the world is not full of mind readers. And I hear this even from really good sales pros. And they're like, well, the client knows why I was there. And I said, well, did you ask them for the sale? And they're like, well, no, they know why. And I'm like, do they? You know, when I go to a fast food restaurant and they ask if I want fries with that, yeah, I want fries, but do I always order them? No, but if they ask, chances are I'm going to say yes. Fries are delicious. So, so you've got to think about how you're asking and if it's a real ask. And even sometimes salespeople will, will ask what I call a wimpy ask where they'll say, well, you know, keep me in mind or mm. love to have your next deal, love to work with you. There's no question there. That's not an invitation. If you're really using my prescription of sales, which is inviting them to buy, there has to be a question. And, I, and the example I, I tell people when I'm giving speeches or I even talk about it in the book is somebody asks somebody a question somewhere if you are in a relationship. If you are a married person, there was a question that was asked and an answer that was given. Will you marry me? Yes. Okay, that is the commitment that you're looking for from a prospective client. You want them to be in a committed partnership with you. You must ask a question and you must get an answer. And when you don't, you inadvertently lengthen your sales cycle. And what happens is that's where you end up in what I call the friend zone. You keep going back, keep having a lovely conversation, but there's no sale happening. So make sure you're asking. And I would say this for people who would not consider themselves salespeople. Have you been clear about what you want or are you expecting others to see your value? If you're at work and you're an employee and you keep wanting a promotion or wanting a raise, did you actually raise your hand and ask, or are you just sitting there expecting your work to speak for itself? Because I'm here to tell you, you're selling yourself short, if that's the case. Your, your work is not speaking loud enough. Find your voice and ask for what you want, and then take what you can get out of that. Wonderful said. Wonderful. Okay, so is there an age limit in our working career where we sit there and go, well, maybe it's too late in my career to rebrand myself. Or we can rebrand yourself anytime you think you're ready to rebrand. Talk about that a little bit. I think we are micro rebranding every day. I think that we have different facets of our brand that come up in different situations. If I'm at the dog park with my dog, like this morning, met other dog owners. And so my dog facets came up, right? And then when I'm on a coaching call with a client, you know, the coach side comes up. So I think we're micro rebranding all the time. If you're talking about a wholesale rebrand, I don't think there's ever 
it's ever too late. I think there is absolutely a chance for us to really be the person that you want the world to know you as. And we're leaving our legacy every day. So don't think, oh, I'm, you know, old dog, new tricks. I mean, I could, I could claim that right now, but I refuse to because I think there's always more. And if you're not getting what you want at work or even in your life, look at your brand. Look at what you're projecting out there. Is it in line with what you expect to be getting back? And if it's not, that's where you shift. That's where you rebrand. That's where you really take an honest inventory of what you're known as out there and see if you can shift that. But to answer in a very plain way, no, you are never too old to rebrand. Very good. You know, this is really special to me. I want you to kind of talk, think about this real quickly. Yeah, our, our poor teachers, it, it's, it's amazing out there. They're going through some tough times, things are tight. They spend more money in for the classrooms and what's out there and stuff like that. How teachers can break through the career plateau? Do they get out of teaching altogether? How can we do it? How do we help them out, teachers? Ooh. So I, as a former college professor, this is near and dear to my heart, too, because I have such reverence for teachers. The first thing is, I think you get into teaching because of passion, not profit. <laughs> so I think that you're, you're there, and, and sadly, they are. They're, they're, you know, a lot of my friends are teaching, and they are spending out of their own pocket for supplies in the classrooms and things like that. But I think that, you know, advocating for what you need for your classroom, whether it be from the school board, whether it be from the parents, the community, coming up with creative ways to do that, I think that's one way. But in order to break through the plateau, if they're looking to leave teaching, teachers have an unbelievable transferable skill set. And quite frankly, I think teachers make really, really good salespeople. Um, because, you know, they're used to herding cats and they're <laughs> used to uncovering needs and figuring out what's going on and reading minds. And so look at that transferable skill set that you've got if you're a teacher and figure out what your passion is. And my guess is it's helping people. My guess is it's teaching people new things. Sales is a great career for that. And so that might be where you belong. And, yes, there will be a variable compensation structure. Yes, there will be change in your day. But that's a really great space, and we hire a lot of salespeople that were former teachers because they just they have that fire in the belly that I mentioned before. We can teach you a sales process. I want you to have passion. You know, real quickly, I um, I was a high school teacher for a little bit, and I got out mostly because of the parents. That's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. The same thing with the sports officials. I was a sports official for 25 years. Got out of it because of the parents. You know, but again, like I said, that's a whole other show right there. But it, it, it's, like you said, it starts at home. Like I always say, it mm-hmm. starts at home. When I see stories about kids acting up, stuff like that, and then all of a sudden you call the parents, oh, your child is acting up. Oh, not my Billy. He wouldn't do that. Knowing all right. about Billy is the wildest, craziest kid on the block. But as soon as somebody sits there and catches them, oh, no, not mine. He wouldn't do that. Oh, geez. I had enough of that. So that's why one reason why I got out. Okay. Before we get to the final comment, please tell us again, where do we go and follow up with you and get your wonderful books? DrCindy.com, D-R-C-I-N-D-Y.com is the easiest place to find me. And you can also find me on social media, Dr. Cindy or 1ST Lady of Sales, First Lady of Sales. Outstanding. Final comment. In your experience, what are the key attributes or qualities that set high successful sales professionals apart from their peers. So 
this person is very successful, this person is not, in your opinion. Why is that? So I believe that it comes down to one very specific thing. And there's an old adage in sales, ABC, always be closing. I disagree with that. I think you never close. You're opening a door. You're beginning a partnership. I say ABC is always be curious because if you are constantly curious, you are looking for ways to add more value to your clients. You are looking for ways to level up your skill set. You are looking for things that you have missed previously to make you better and your customers' lives better. So I think that curiosity is the key attribute and quality that really makes successful salespeople ultra successful. Outstanding. Such a great, great show. Thank you so much for your uh, content giving us today. We appreciate it. We're definitely going to follow. I'm going to order your book. I definitely want, want your book. I'm going to share it out there with some, some group of people. But I think you deserve a saving ovation. Thank you, Dr. Cindy. You have a great weekend. We'll talk to you real soon, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me, Hollis. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Bye-bye. First Lady of Sales, Dr. Cindy McGovern. Every job is a sales job. Like it or not, you know, like you said, you, you walk out the door, you start selling. You're selling. You know, how you look, how you present, how you talk, whatever your car you drive, whatever, you're selling. You know, you don't need to be in a million-dollar suit, a million-dollar dress. Just put together well. Sometimes people go to the gym and going, wow, do they really look to see what they're wearing today? What are they selling? You know, a person, you, you see a group of people talking in a public place. Just dropping F-bombs left and right. Do they really sit there and want that me to sit there and say, hey, this is what this person is like? Talking like that in front of people you don't even know. Selling. Now, how are you going to represent yourself? How are you going to represent your family? You know, like I told my son before, what you do, you, know, you represent the main. Us. You know, you can represent, hey, have a good representation, man. Okay? Selling all the time. But he knows I do not like to be late. He knows don't show up to me late. I'll probably leave if he's late. You know, even going to watch my ball games, we go to this little sports bar. He's late. You might as well just keep on going, son, because I don't want you there. Unless you're late. That's me. That's, that's, I'm real anal with that. That's me. But please follow up. First Lady of Sales, Dr. Cindy McGovern. Awesome book. Awesome career. And she definitely can help you or your company out. Guys, thanks for joining us today on the Hollis Chapman Show. It's awesome. Have a great weekend. We'll be back Tuesday. Susie Smith can be here, okay? So let's close it up with a little music. listen today make sure you follow up with dr cindy awesome 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 person okay as always i'll see you next time